This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you on this Wednesday night, May the 19th. Uh, as we record this, it's we're, Eric, we're finally seeing the wind down to the sports <laughs> season, right? You know, well, for through, you, maybe. For you, well, maybe. Yeah, Not it's, for me. It's, it's the busiest time of year for you, softball yeah. Woj. When you <laughs> yeah. start going after Washington Huskies fans on Twitter, that's when I know it's serious. <laughs> yeah, Pac-12 fans are a little upset. What is up there. with that, man? You gotta, you gotta, I got to give credit to the Wash, University of Washington softball bros. They're coming strong. Yeah. They don't have any ammo, but they're coming strong. Well, they have no choice. You know, they got a lot of pride there, but you know, I'm sorry, they've been passed by the SEC and most of the South. So, you know, deal with it. That's what Why I. Why Washington? Them. That's what they're more passionate. Well, about they got a than they are football. For crying out loud. Yeah, no, it's a die. I mean, they've well because they've actually won national titles there recently. So that's probably why. <laughs> no, I don't do it. In that case, why are they complaining? <laughs> Everybody complains. That's what we do, especially you know sport. what they complain all the time about, like. To me, like the dumbest thing to complain in the world about in the world is tournament seating because the second everyone takes the diamond or the court or whatever, none of that crap matters, right? Well, look, right. I mean, and especially in a year like this where everything's so out of whack with the RPI and stuff like that, so it's you know. Good. By the way, this this is a tease for the in the circle. If you want more of this softball talk, we could go to <laughs> in the circle SB Twitter for the podcast with myself uh, as host there. But this is the UCF banner. The good news is. Well, there is a little controversy with the UCF seating, perhaps, in the uh, Tallahassee Regional we're going to talk about. Yep, we're going to talk about that here in our first segment. Later on, we'll talk uh, – uh, we've got a special guest uh, on the show as well, Eric Lopez. Britt Bowen, the radio voice of Auburn softball, who uh, is embedded deep within the Auburn program. He's also going to talk to us a little bit about uh, his impressions on Gus Malzahn, covering Gus at Auburn, as he has for, since uh, – since Gus has been there, and uh, lots of uh, a little bit, a, a lot of symmetry between UCF and Auburn um, of late. And I'm not just talking about our old men's golf coach Nick Kleinert either. He's uh, no, um, although we didn't bring him up. That's a good point. I should have brought him up. But you know, actually, yeah. me and Britt did talk about some of the comparisons that UCF and Auburn, and and we and we have a proposal, Jeffrey. I'll, I'll make a proposal to you Ooh. at the end of the Britt interview that I want to campaign to you and Mr. Mahajer and Alan Green, the Auburn athletic okay. director. Okay, uh, and then we'll also wrap up UCF tennis. Uh, their season came to an end um, on both ends. A little bit. Well, was it a disappointment? We'll talk about it. Baseball also uh, heading into their final home weekend and uh, rowing. The streak is broken, shockingly, for UCF rowing. Such a bummer, but uh, they still finished second in the American. We'll recap that. But first, let's dive in with softball. UCF softball headed back to the NCAA tournament. The uh, Knights uh, at 39, 17, and 1, despite losing in the American Championship to Wichita State because of that stupid field out in Tulsa with all the wind. Um, then <laughs> Knights get the at, Knights get an at-large bid uh, to the NCAA. You were right once again, Eric Lopez. Credit to you. In your bracketology, you hit 63 of the 64 teams, and I think you said 15 of the 16 sites. 
Well, right? 14, out of, 14 out of 16, but I had Texas and Oregon in the same regional. Still pretty good. And then the one team I missed was South Carolina. I thought they would be in the tournament. Kennesaw is the team that got in who's in the Tallahassee regional. I'm okay missing say, that one. Yeah, I was going to okay say, it's funny you mention that because Kennesaw State is actually in UCS regional. The Knights are going to the Tallahassee regional. Florida State is the number 10 overall seed, and the four teams in the regional are FSU, of course, Kennesaw State, UCF and Auburn. Uh, Florida State's the top seed in the regional. Kennesaw State is last. So that means UCF and Auburn, look at that, are facing each other in Tallahassee. Uh, double elimination, 14 double elimination, of course, to see who gets to go to the uh, Sweet 16. Uh, it's UCF's first trip in five years uh, to the NCAA tournament. Um, and... But this is this is one of these regions of death, man, isn't it? I, I mean, this I, this feels like it's pretty tough. You got Florida State, we know is good. You got uh, Auburn, who you know they've won national championships before. You have Auburn, who's uh, who's become a pretty good SEC team of late. Uh, and let's not sleep on Kennesaw State out of the A Sun, who this was a good year for the A Sun. They got two teams in. Yeah. So, what's your read on this regional? You said there was a little bit of controversy. What was it? Well, UCF is a three seed in this regional instead of the two. Auburn's the two, so you know there's you a lot of flip flop that, and it's at a new. It's it's neutral for the both yeah. of them. Does that really matter? I mean, it does. And then from the standpoint, if the team has the last at bat in the first game, I mean that could there. make a difference, you know. But I, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I I'm with you. And I remember I wrote on BlackAndGoldBanneret.com leading up to Selection Sunday that don't be surprised if UCF gets squeezed down to a three seed to make the committee make this work. And again, for those that don't know, the NCAA, part of the rules they have, and this I think applies to all sport, Olympic sports, Jeffrey, yet they like to bus a certain amount of teams into a region that's within a 400-mile radius. Mm -hmm. So in this scenario, for UCF to bust to Tallahassee, the committee decided let's just put them as a three seed to justify them busing to Tallahassee and pair them up with Auburn, who's also busing, and Kennesaw, who's busing. Uh, this is a stacked regional as a result of that. So that's what happens sometimes because you got Kennesaw's in an at-large team. It's not like they were, hey, yeah. they just won an automatic bid. This is a team that's beaten Auburn. They took a game from UCF. They have, they can win some games. And this is a wide-open regional. It is a wide-open regional where I, you could tell me any scenario that will play out, and I would believe it. Like, I actually think UCF has a great shot to win this regional. But on the other hand, you told me they went 0-2. I wouldn't be surprised either. That's how tough this regional is. Is it the toughest regional out of the 16? I think it's top three. Uh, I think certainly Austin, Texas, which is getting a lot of the national attention with Texas and head coach Mike White going against his former team at Oregon. That's right up there. Gainesville's got a tough one too. South Florida was a four seed and is an at-large. And they're facing Florida. That's a pretty tricky one. But I think this is top three at least. Top three toughest regional, top four regional and it's the one where you don't have a clear favorite because there's so much youth on a lot of these teams that haven't experienced the ncaa's that you you just there's some unpredictability about this i think it's a very evenly matched regional which usually creates some good softball and some some drama so ucf is opening up on, against auburn on friday at 2 p.m in tallahassee i want to go back to last weekend and talk about the tournament um because the Knights win two one-run games to get to the championship. Knockoff South Florida, I thought, was one of the 
most clutch performances you could possibly imagine from Gianna Mancha came in in relief of Aaliyah White, right when it looked like things were about to get out of hand. Cindy Ball Malone made the tough call to yank her senior starter and put Gianna in, and Gianna ends up striking out six in a row and basically shutting USF down and holding him to a 3-2, uh, holding it, uh, holding down that 3-2 victory. And then the Wichita State game, which the final was 7-4. to four. You know, the big inning for Wichita was that bottom of the fifth where they hit where they hit those home runs but I thought this game was closer than we could have than it could have imagined because what, what was it ja- um, not Jasmine Esparza but uh, Shannon Doherty just missed a three-run homer by about six inches to right yep. uh, in the bottom of the or excuse me in the top of the sixth that would have put UCF within actually that would have tied the game wouldn't it no it would have gotten them within within one run they, they did end up getting one run off of that, but um, still, three is, a, you want a crooked number up there, right? And and instead of it being a 7-6 to six game, it was 7-4. to four. The bats got shut down in the top of the seventh, and that was pretty much it. Um, credit to uh, Bailey Lang of Wichita, who uh, stuck it through and uh, took care of business after that first three innings where UCF took the lead. It actually had a 3 nothing lead through two and a half. Um, and then Caitlin Bingham got the save for Wichita, but... Um, your thoughts on the run, because I, I thought that I thought that this was an important run that UCF needed to make. I think they needed to really prove, not to the committee so much, but more or less to themselves um, in this playoff environment that they had the horses to win close games. I, I, I think that they, it, not to say that they've had trouble in close games this year, but, but it's different when the pressure's on in a conference tournament. Single elimination, which you and I have talked about on Twitter, I hate and you're okay with for some stupid reason. But because TV likes it, that's I don't care. It. I whatever ESPN Plus can deal with it. If it was on ESPN or ESPN Two, I get it. But ESPN Plus, that's why you have ESPN Plus is to is to do double elimination stuff. Anyway, um, what did you think of how the team performed this week in terms of are they are are they on the rise? Are they level? Are they tapering down a little bit where's their stock right now well I think I I agree with you it was an important run because keep in mind this group had never won a conference tournament game the last time UCF had won a conference tournament game I'm not talking about NCAA tournament I'm talking about a conference tournament game for the American was in 2016 ironically in Tulsa when they beat UConn when Shelby Turnier uh, struck out 13 and won her 79th game, which at the time passed McKenzie Otis's uh, for the record for most wins in school history, this group had not won a conference tournament game. And I think that was the big thing is to get that over the hump on that, make this run, beat a good South Florida team, get to the final. Obviously, you're disappointed you lost in the final, but I do think they got some ex- uh, a good, good positive run here. Because now going into the NCAA tournament, I think they have more confidence because they've gone through a single elimination format. They've they've gone through winning a postseason game. You know, I'm, if they would have lost in the first round, I still think they would have ended up probably still in Tallahassee, probably still in the NCAA tournament. But I think psychologically, I think they would have been more nervous. It would have been more like, man, I, can't, I don't know if we can win a game in the postseason. Now they know they can, even though it is a conference tournament and it's the regional. I think that brings back some more confidence. Um at the end of the day, and I think I tweeted this out, I just blame blame the city of Tulsa. The UCF athletics teams just, <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously. Like, just weird stuff happens. Like, the Doherty play ball you hit, you mentioned. 
any other park, that ball is gone. But of course, in Tulsa, in that park, it's gone nine out of ten times. It just so happened that it yeah. was to right field, and this time, and the wind stopped like, blowing. Right, it's like the twenty. What was it that con- that weird twenty twelve? What was it? It was the twenty twelve CUSA title game in Tulsa with a con with the punt. What was it? That controversial punt ball. Yeah, that the, the punt. wind took it, and yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. And it's just weird, weird, weird stuff happens in Tulsa, man. So, I, please, can we just no more conference championships in Tulsa for a while? All right, all right. Like, let them host tennis. <laughs> they do a good job. I've been there when they've hosted tennis, but no, don't let them host softball or other sports. But anyway, that's my rant on that. Um, <laughs> so I think that so I think that does give them some confidence going into this regional uh going in whereas if they wouldn't have made that run i think there would have been a lot of questions about this team but i think they've they're finding themselves they know they can win some games and you know we'll see what happens this weekend but i do think they're they're playing with a lot more confidence than they did say a couple weeks ago you know when i remember they got swept by Ole miss we're like oh this team ain't in the right direction well since then they won three out of four against south florida they Went two and one in the American Conference Tournament. They did better than most UCF teams ever do in the city of Tulsa. So I think there's some confidence going into Tallahassee. And I think they've got the right, you know, we, we've we discussed this. We knew it was going to be Tallahassee or Gainesville. I know they beat Florida twice during the season. But I really do believe, Jeff, they are in the better regional to win the regional than if they would have gone back to Gainesville. Because to go back to Gainesville, to ask them to potentially beat Florida four times in a single year, that's mm-hmm. asking a lot. Whereas here, you've got a clean slate, a Florida State team, as we'll get into with our interview with Britt Bowen and, and on the show, it's a different Florida State team than years past. I think this is a pretty even regional. I'm not saying they, they're they the favorites or anything like that. I'm just saying, in all my years in the regionals, this is the best I felt going into a region. I don't feel like there's a hand tied behind our back. You know what I'm saying, Jeff? Like yeah. in years past, you're playing a stacked Florida team. You feel like you're man, climbing you know? uphill. It's a, it's an uphill climb. Right. Correct. Okay. Agree. So, all right. Make the case for me for UCF to advance to the Sweet 16 for the first time in school history. Well, the case would be you have the most, for, and this has never happened before in a regional, UCF actually has the most power when it comes to offense in this regional it's not florida state it's not auburn it's ucf that has more pop in their lineup than those two teams it's strange to say it's the complete opposite of years past when ucf was the team that came in and the other team was the one that had more power uh auburn is a team that has hit like 22 home runs as a team florida state this year as i wrote on black and go better it depends more on the small ball so they actually ucf is the one the team here that has the ability to hit one out of the park at a moment's notice compared to the other teams i think that's a big positive they have two aces that in in Aaliyah white and gianna mancha who i think is the biggest factor in this regional because she has actually pitched in a regional she pitched in the gainesville regional in 2019 when she was at boise state and in 2018 for coach ball malone when they were in seattle so i think she's a big factor in this regional for ucf and you got a brianna vasquez who can throw who i thought actually kind of under the radar through good innings and relief in that Wichita State game that might pay off, might pay off this weekend in Tallahassee. So uh, I think those are your cases for UCF is that they have the offense that can carry them and they have the depth in pitching that can carry them. Uh, I think that's the positives there for them to win this regional. But the concern is a lot of these players haven't played in an NCAA tournament game. How are they going to handle that? Will they be too nervous? Are they going to be too tense? Are they going to be stressed? You know, and they're going to face good pitching too. Auburn has two dynamic freshman pitchers 
that one of them will throw more than likely against UCF. Florida State has three great arms. This is a stacked regional when it comes to quality arms. Timely hitting is going to be critical in this regional for whoever wins the regional. Uh, let me ask you about the pitching situation. We saw Coach Ball Malone went with Leah White, and then she had a qu- a relatively quick trigger for Gianna out of the bullpen. All right. Um, do we think that that's going to be her strategy here in the regional? Is I'm going to ride Aaliyah until unless I see something I don't like, and then I'm going to go with G out of the bullpen? Or do you think she might start Aaliyah in game one and then maybe start G in game two just to throw the opponents off? What do you think? I wonder if she starts Gianna on Friday because she's the one that's pitched in a regional. Does she go hmm. with experience? Now, a lot of it's going to depend on how she feels about the matchup. She's big on matchups and numbers and things like that. So that will dictate a lot of that. I think those both of them will be available on Friday because I think you want to win that game and get to the winner's bracket. You don't want to come out of the loser's bracket. Not in this regional. It's a very yeah. difficult regional. So I think all – and remember – you know, they'll play on one game on Friday, then they come back on Saturday. It's not like you're playing two games on Friday. Potentially, you may have to play two on Saturday. But I think you're going all in on Friday. I think both are available. I'm very interested to see how they set it up because I could see them starting Gianna on Friday, who's got the postseason experience. Or they might go with Aaliyah, who they like to start on Fridays, and save Gianna, potentially, for maybe the start if they end up playing a Florida State, for example. They may save Gianna for that. Who knows? That's the beauty of this. There's a lot of unpredictability in this regional. With four head coaches, by the way, Jeffrey, I will put these four coaches in a regional. It is a stacked. You got big-name coaches. Lonnie Alameda, national champion. You got Trip McKay at Kennesaw State, was an assistant national champion for Patty Gasso in Oklahoma. Mickey Dean took James Madison within one win of the World Series. I, this regional has the best four head coaches in a regional you will find from one to four. Uh, even though UCF, this is the last one for you, because they're going to be playing on uh, Friday um, at uh, at 1 p.m. Is it 1 p.m. local time, 2 p.m. Eastern? Is that right? 2 Eastern, 2, two Eastern. Eastern, 1 Central, yep. And it's on ESPN2. It's not on the U. It's not on Plus. It's on ESPN2. So it's a national television game uh-huh. for yeah. UCF. Now they're playing an Auburn team that comes in 27-22, and 22, but they've lost 10 of their last 11. Or excuse me, 10, uh, 10 of their last 12. Excuse me. So is UCF the favorite heading into this first game? I think so, but I don't think it's like an overwhelming favorite. Auburn's got two talented arms, as we'll talk with Britt Bowen in the next segment about Shelby Lowe and Maddie Pena. They are capable of winning games in this regional. They're young, though. They're very young. And it goes back to how does a young player that's not been in this position before, how do they handle the environment? I think that's very interesting in this regional. But I do think UCF's the favorite here, slight favorite, over Auburn. I think Florida State is still the favorite in the entire regional because they're at home. They've won before. They have players that have won a national title on that roster. But I do think UCF is, is in the mix. And I think this is a regional where you can make a case for three to three teams, maybe even throw in Kennesaw, that all four teams can win a regional. This could be like the 2005 regional, Jeff, in Gainesville, where it got crazy. Remember that one where yeah. the Florida went That was UCF's first regional, right? First ever regional, and it got crazy. You know, Florida got eliminated in two games. UCF eliminated them. Uh, Florida fired their coach, ended up going with a guy named Tim Walton, 
hired him out of Wichita State. It's turned out How that worked out. Yeah, worked out for the men. And then the four seed Bethune Cookman was the one that won the regional and got yeah. to the supers. It could be this type of regional where you go like, whoa, where did that come from? Yeah, I remember that. Nobody, nobody thought Bethune yeah. had the horse to get out right. of there, especially out of Florida. I mean, when Florida, I remember when Florida got knocked out, everyone was like, man, the path is just cleared for UCF. And then Bethune ended up coming out of there. So, yeah, uh, wow. All right, so. Uh, once again, for UCF softball, first pitch, 2 p.m. Eastern on Friday, May 21st from Tallahassee. UCF against Auburn in that game will be televised on ESPN2. Mark your calendars uh, on that one, UCF and Auburn. And then, of course, Florida State and Kennesaw State uh, in the other game in the Tallahassee Regional. Uh, double elimination. So unlike in the American, you get two shots. So uh stick around when we get back we're gonna have Britt bowen he uh is a broadcaster for auburn uh and he's gonna give us some insight on the softball pre uh, on the softball matchup coming up on friday between ucf and the tigers and also some insight on uh, his dealings with head coach gus malzahn formerly of auburn now at ucf stick around we'll be right back it's the black and gold banneret podcast Welcome back to the black and gold banneret podcast jeff and eric with you here follow us at ucf underscore banneret on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. Uh, and uh, don't forget to follow us individually, Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric Lopez Elo. Uh, earlier today, Eric Lopez, you uh, uh, had a nice little sit down with our guest from Auburn, Britt Bowen. He actually calls UC, uh, Auburn softball play by play. He'll be at the regional in Tallahassee yep. uh, covering the action for, uh, for Auburn. He's a lifelong Braves and Dolphins fan. Poor guy. Uh, just like you. And, uh, <clears throat> well, I'm a Dolphin fan. I'm not a Braves fan. I know you're not a Braves fan, but you're both your Dolphin fans. I'm sure you commiserated over that. That's right. But, um, although maybe maybe you're a little bit more optimistic these days. Anyway, you uh, had him on to talk about um, the game on uh, Friday at Softball Regional opener between UCF and Auburn. Also, uh, some discussion about uh, Gus Malzahn as well. So uh, uh, tell me about your conversation here with Britt that we're going to play. Yeah, Brett, I've known for a while. He obviously has been the voice of softball and women's basketball for a while there at Auburn on the radio as well as on SEC Network Plus. Plus, uh, for years prior to the last couple of years, he's been an engineer on the football broadcast. He's went to school at Auburn. He's an advisor there. He helps students get into broadcasting. He's, I met him about five years ago, and he is bleeds Auburn colors. And we had a chance to talk about this regional, such a fascinating regional that it is, breaking it down, but also about Gus Malzahn and the uniqueness of Auburn fans, how are they looking at Gus now that he's at UCF, and how does he think Gus will do, fit at UCF? We talked all about that and much more. Here now is Bert Bowen on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. All right, joining us now, he's been the voice of Auburn softball on the radio side as well as on SEC Network Plus. If you watch some of the games that Auburn airs on SEC Network Plus, uh, he is Auburn blood clutter ladies and gentlemen he has auburn blood he's he's the guy i thought of to talk some auburn sports talk some softball but also some football uh with gus malzahn and stuff i speak of my good friend Britt bowen who joins us here on the black and go banner how you doing eric good to see you man uh just like you when i saw ucf and auburn uh paired up of, uh, in softball this year now we played in baseball last year um and softball a couple years ago anytime we match up man, you're you're always the first name that it comes to my mind, and uh, I, I got to tell you, man, I always look forward to Auburn and UCF playing. It's always a great competition, regardless of the sport. 
I joked that like the reason Gus was at UCF is because you came on campus in 2016 to call softball against UCF, your, your magical year that Auburn got to go to the Women's College World Series led by Emily Carasoni and company. You were on campus. I'm like, you know what? I think Gus probably just, you know, followed Britt and just said, yeah, I want to go there too afterwards. I, throw I, I, I would have to be honest and say I I, I don't believe that, but um, I, I love the optimism and I love that you think I have that kind of impact on on Coach Malzahn because uh, Coach Malzahn, his resume speaks for itself and uh, clearly he's got a great opportunity down there with you guys in Orlando. We'll talk about him in a little bit and the fact that he's a big softball fan, which I already like. So we, he won me over when he went to softball and see UCF play. And I know he's been to Auburn games as well, as I've joked, talked to Coach Dean about. But let's talk about softball here. It's a big regional here. Uh, tell the audience about Auburn here in 2021, a young team, especially uh, in the circle with upside and talent, some up and down. But they're here is the two seed in Tallahassee. Kind of give the, your thoughts here on the Auburn Tigers 2021 edition. Yeah, this Auburn team is is one of the most unique Auburn teams that that I've seen in, in my nine years of covering Auburn softball, um, primarily due to COVID and, and having players uh, being eligible this year that uh, would not be eligible if it weren't for COVID. So um, it, this roster is really made up, Eric, of, of a lot of upperclassmen who are, are, are in the lineup, but also it has a nice blend of, of primarily freshmen and a couple sophomores as well. So uh, there, there's not a ton of juniors in this lineup, which, which is interesting. So I'm interested to see how that's going to set it up, set us up for the future. Um, but, but the main thing about this Auburn team is uh, number one is pitching. I mean, it, you have to look at what uh, Shelby Lowe and Manny Penta and KK Dismutes and company have been able to do in the circle this year. Um, it, that is uh, without a doubt our strength. In the circle, we, we have a lot of depth. And with Coach Dean at the helm, um, that, that is his street. That is his go-to. So they, 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 he's built a phenomenal pitching staff. And I think they're going to get stronger, obviously, with more recruiting and more development with, with the current roster. Um, the, the big question mark for this team all year long, Eric, has been the offense. Is, is Can this team produce enough runs to win? I mean, you, you look at the last month of the season – Auburn had some tough times closing games out. I mean, we had a stretch, I think, where we lost seven of ten games by one run, you know, and, and that's tough in the SEC. Um, but I, I got to tell you, while, while the results don't um, – they, they don't reflect it, the last two weekends of the series at LSU, in, where we lost two out of three, and also against South Carolina in the SEC tournament, strikeout numbers have been weighed down. This team, their approach at the plate, they've, they've been aggressive. They've been swinging early in counts. Um, they put some really good swings on some balls, but just didn't have the results to show for it. So I, I, I'm interested to see what they've been able to do with this last week, week and a half between the SEC tournament and the regional, just to take a moment to reset and and, and get ready for 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 a, a really good regional in Tallahassee, in a regional where I think all four teams are familiar with one another. Yeah, very familiar with each other to the point where Auburn – hosted Kennesaw State, and this was kind of on the fly. They hosted Kennesaw State and Florida State in Auburn because Florida State had lost the games in the ACC. I think it was the North Carolina series. Uh, everybody was looking for games, and Mickey Dean just happened to have those two spot, uh, spots open in the uh, his tournament. I you know, I asked him about that. He joked. He's like, why aren't we just hosting this this weekend at Auburn anyway? I've already done this. I know how to do this. But uh, – what was what is that going to be like? Do you think that's an advantage there? The fact that Auburn has seen a Florida State and Kennesaw has played them already. They haven't played UCF, obviously, but yeah. nonetheless, they have familiarity there. UCF played Kennesaw earlier this year. 
one, two out of three. So Trip McKay's actually played everybody in this in the field. Uh, and then Florida State UCF didn't play this year, but they know their personnel. They know each other. The coaches are very similar and things like that. This is a, a regional, and Coach Dean even said this, and Coach Ball Malone, they kind of know, all everybody knows each other a little bit here. Yeah, they do. And I think uh, I think it's going to play both ways. I think it's going to be a strength and a weakness for, for both teams um, because, you know, it, they played each other I, so early in the season, you know, that um, I, I think it's time for some things to have changed. I, I think – uh, you know, when, when they last played Shelby and Matty Penta, I, I think they were still vying for who's that number one, who's going to be the number one in the SEC. I think at the time going in, it, it may have been Matty at the time, but now how Shelby's been pitch, pitching since early March on is, is clearly been, been Shelby Lowe. So in that regard, I, I think it will be a little different. Um, you know, like, and for Kennesaw State, they're a team that um, they actually beat Auburn twice before Auburn finally beat them on Sunday. And then Florida State took it to Auburn in the first day of the doubleheader. Then Auburn came back and swept both of those teams in a doubleheader on Sunday. So it's a coin flip. I, I think um, I think any team, top to bottom in this regional, I, I think any team can win a game if you play well enough. I don't think this is a regional where um, you know a team is just going to be so outmanned where they don't have a chance because we see that from time to time, unfortunately. But I think this is going to be one of the most competitive regionals out there just because of the familiarity and the talent level from all the schools. But, you know, Eric, if you go back um, actually three years ago, three of the four teams in this regional was in the 2018 Tallahassee regional when Florida State won the national championship in 2018. Um, Auburn and Kennesaw State, they were the two and three seeds. And then Florida State was the number one um, seed in that regional with Jacksonville State being the four seed. So, um, three of the four teams are very familiar. And again, I know UCF and Florida State, I, I'm, I'm sure you guys have a history there and um, it, it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of talking points for sure on the broadcast with having played these teams or three of these teams already this year. And then of course, UCF, I mean, you guys, I mean, your, your resume and record speaks for itself. Your history speaks for itself. And that's actually the game that I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the most right out of the gate because I know how how quality of a program UCF has, and I'm interested to see what Auburn can do against a team like UCF because I want to be clear, I I think that game is a complete coin flip, and it's going to come down to the, the who can score some runs against some really good pitching. I agree. By the way, what a shocker, the committee not being original, having similar regionals to from years past. I'm stunned. I'm stunned, I tell you. Uh, but I, I love this regional. I, I wrote on Black and Gold Banneret previewing this regional. I think it's a stacked regional. I, yeah. I think these four teams can win games in this regional. It would not no none none of the results that takes place this weekend is going to surprise me. You could tell me the Kennesaw's in the regional final, and I would believe it because I think they're good. I've seen them. Taylor Cates might be the best hitter in this regional, which kind of sounds weird to say, but she is an incredible power hitter for Trip McKay, who's one of the best hitting minds in the sport. Obviously, from his time at Oklahoma, winning the national title. UCF obviously has dynamic offense. They can beat you with small ball and with power. And they have arms themselves. The Leah White who has a tremendous personal story uh, that's been talked about nationally. And I, I hope they'll be talked about more this weekend on the national scene. And Gianna Mancha, who has postseason experience for Boise State. Uh, but then Florida State, a different Florida State team than even teams that you and I have seen in the past. They used to depend on power with players like Jesse Warren and Alex Paris. They don't have that this year. They've only hit 39 home runs, I say only. For their standards, that's low. They depend on speed. They have over 100 steals. So it's going to be interesting 
how the teams are kind of they handle that and of course they have three pitchers they go by committee they've only had 10 complete games uh Lonnie and her staff is so I think it's a wide open regional I think it's one of the more toughest regionals out there and what's so fascinating about this Britt there's not a lot of experience here in the NCAA tournament Florida State probably has the edge because they have some players still from the national title team but your team is young and UCF is young from a postseason standpoint UCF hasn't made the tournament since 2016 so you know I'm really fascinated to see how everybody handles the bright lights here because of the youth yeah, I am too. And and for Florida State, the, the, the stick on them for a moment, it, that's a great point you made about them compared to their traditional teams that we've seen under Lonnie. But having seen them in person this year, I want to be clear that they have a ton of athleticism, a ton of athleticism. While they may not be hitting a lot of home runs, like you said, they had the speed. And against us, they when they put up 10 runs against Auburn, they were hitting gap to gap. And uh, they were hitting the ball hard. So um, they, they have the capability to score runs, even though if it's not in the traditional sense – of them hitting home runs. So, um, and, and for UCF, again, I know they're talented. Kennesaw State's talented. Um, they, they've got some good pitching that uh, has really given Auburn some headaches in the last two years. So from that standpoint, but but from the youth standpoint for Auburn, that is going to be one of the biggest question marks for me this weekend. It is how, is how do these kids respond on the big stage? I mean, game one on ESPN2 against UCF, and that, that's one of the reasons I, I was – a little disappointed in Auburn's performance in the SEC tournament. It's not so much as going one and done. It was being able to not get a win, to get just one more day on the big national stage as being a young team. The upperclassmen have it. Alyssa Rivera, McKenna Dowell, Justice Perry, those kids have it. They, they, they've been there. They, they've been a part of some regional teams, although it's been two years. But, you know, when looking back on, again, the, the other freshmen and, and the other newcomers around the team, um, they don't have that experience, you know, and, and I, I'm, I'm really interested to see it as, as what team shows up, not just in Auburn, but what team in the regional shows up, uh, because I, I tell you, you know, this Florida State, that is a tough place to go. That is a tough place to go because Auburn, um, we, we took them to a regional championship or, or a winner's bracket game, not a regional championship, but a winner's bracket game in 2018. And it took eight innings against two very good teams and Florida State went on a I don't remember if it was a triple or rolled an inside the park home run based off the play in right field to walk yeah. off in 2018. So I know it's going to be fun. It's going to be competitive and uh, there will not be an easy win for any team in this regional. I don't think. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I remember that game watching it. It's funny because UCF was at Tallahassee. They usually get sent to Gainesville every yeah. year, except this is the second time they've been to the tournament eight times six times to Gainesville. This is the second time they'll be sent to Tallahassee. The other time was in 2015, which is really UCF's best team. Should have hosted, didn't host. Got sent to Tallahassee. South Carolina was there. The whole bus trip, you know, deal. Um, and they had a lead with All-American Shelby Turnier, who you remember. You caught, you saw her in person when Auburn played her in 2016. She was the All-American that year. Had a one nothing lead against Florida State in the bottom of the seventh. Maddie O'Brien ties the game up with a home run. Tight strike zone. I know it's a shock. And then... A couple batters later, Alex Powers hits a walk-off triple. Florida State wins that game, and that was the difference. Because, you know, and Mickey Dean told me this. I had talked to Mickey Dean this week. The key to winning a regional, you want to stay in the winner's bracket as long as you can. And I think that'll be a big factor in this one. So I can relate to a walk-off. Ironically enough, I got to call games with Alex Powers this year, calling the UCF games. I did not bring up the 15 region on the air, so I want to make sure our fan base was happy. 
but uh, she does great work. So I was really happy to see her do some belt tournament stuff. I worked with Francesca and it was a Gator. So I, we, we, you know, it, we're all good. We all get along at the end of the day uh, on that. Uh, we're speaking with Britt Bowen, the voice of Auburn softball here on Black Eagle Banneret. Shelby Lowe, let's talk about your staff and that one-two punch of Maddie Pena and, and Shelby Lowe. Shelby Lowe is a top 15 freshman of the year finalist. I asked Mickey Dean about those two. And comparing them to the one-two punch he had at JMU, he led JMU to a national seed in 2015 and 16, to the Super Regionals in 2016. They were one win away from the Women's College World Series before they lost to LSU. And he had two great pitchers, Jalen Ford and Megan Good. Megan Good was a top three player of the year finalist. Jalen Ford, I think, was an All-American as well and things like that. He compared Shelby Lowe to Jalen Ford, and he compared Maddie Payne, uh, and, and, you know, Maddie to – Megan Good. That's high praise. Discuss those two and how they've had to carry the load as freshmen in the, the number one conference in the sport. Well, first off, they're they're incredible. They have incredible stuff. Um, Shelby, I'll start with her. Um, her. Her poise in the circle, I think, is what's most impressive to me outside of her physical ability. Um, she, she's a freshman that pitches like she is a veteran senior um, in, in throughout the SEC this year. Now, our broadcast partner, former SEC Player of the Year, Casey Cooper, uh, she she said this uh, quite a few times on our broadcast this year that uh, you know your freshman year can sometimes be your best year, one of your best years as a pitcher because well, like teams don't have a scout on you and hitting. While that may be true, uh, there's still a lot of upside to these kids for these kids to get better. And for Shelby, she's more of a finesse pitcher. She's not going to overpower you. She's going to live in the to the low to mid 60s at best. Um, she's got a great changeup, and she's going to work north and south. She's going to work all corners of the plate. And her ability to, to command her pitches and control her pitches is what's unbelievable about her. And, and again, this, the movement and, and the deception of her pitches is, is, is what's incredible. But for, for Maddie Pinta, um, Maddie started off the season great. And I, I, I love watching Maddie pitch when she's on because she, she pitches with power and she pitches with command. Maddie is going to live on, on both sides of the plate. She's going to live on the inside and the outside corners. Now, the big thing for her is, is locating. Um, she's got to be able to locate her pitches. And when, when the strike zone has been tight on her at times this year, she's had trouble adjusting. Um, Maddie's last couple starts have been up and down. And for Maddie, I think right now is getting back in and, 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 and owning that confidence in the circle. Because again, when she pitches with that confidence, we saw her early in the year, she was untouchable. She was absolutely untouchable. As the competition got better, she was having, uh, I think, a bit more trouble adjusting at times throughout the season. So she's got the stuff. She 100% has the stuff. I just can't wait to see her and, and, and put it all together mentally and physically to, to be able to dominate in the circle because Matt, Maddie's a great kid and uh, her and Shelby having him as a one, two punch uh, for a pitching staff right now, I'll take them any day of the week. And also too, on the back end, I mean, we've got a very good pitcher in KK Dismukes who's a sophomore this year for Auburn. Um, she's primarily been used as a reliever this year because she had some shoulder injuries last year. Uh, wasn't able to be a starter last year. She has the potential next year. If she gets healthy, stays in shape and continues to develop, she could be a potential a solid third option as a starter next year um, in, in SEC play if, if she continues to develop. So, but all in all, I, I, I love where Auburn's pitching is right now. And um, despite Auburn's record, 
I, I will stand with these pitchers in, in any game against any competition because uh, if you look at it, they give you a chance to win. They give you a chance to win every 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 game they go out there and pitch, and that's what makes them the most exciting. I, I think freshman duo in the SEC. No question. The future is bright in the circle up there at Auburn, and you don't have to score a ton of runs to win games with those that staff. Who are some of the offensive players to watch for for Auburn and are going to be keys this weekend for the Tigers to be successful for people that are going to be tuning in? I think top to bottom, everybody has their spots um, where, where they've been successful this year. But for me, when I'm looking at wins, when I'm looking at when Auburn's scoring runs, I think Alyssa Rivera has to be on base in some capacity. And I think Alyssa Rivera, she's got to be one of the ones driving in runs. I mean, because if you look at what Auburn's done against top, top opponents, let's stick to SEC play, she struggled in the non-conference, but when Auburn needed success in the, and they had success in the SEC, it was Alyssa Rivera leading the way. Um, so I, I think Alyssa Rivera has got to have a good weekend for Auburn to win, just me personally. And then also, too, you got to trickle in. you got to get some runners on base because Auburn, Auburn's not a power-hitting team. It, we may hit a home run here or there, but we're, we're a gap-to-gap hitting team with also um, while also playing the short game. You know, we've got to be able to execute sack bunts because that, that's how Auburn is going to move runners this weekend. We're going to play small ball, and we're going to try to steal bases. So for Auburn, I think Tyler King has to be successful in that. Um, McKenna Dowell's got to be one of the players in, in finding the gap, along with Justice Perry. Justice has, has struggled down the stretch, but she has the ability. But, but a couple of players that, that have uh, really come on for Auburn over the last couple of weeks, one is Madison Kepke. Madison Kepke, Auburn starting third baseman. Um, she did not start the year as, as getting much playing time at all at the plate or in the field. She came in in the Missouri series. This is the second SEC series of the year, so mid to late March. Comes in. Started started second base last year, didn't play this year, comes in that weekend and takes over third base. Her bat has been slowly getting better each and every week. I mean, she 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 laced a shot against uh, – it was either against LSU or South Carolina last weekend for, for a double. And uh, I tell you, she is – um, she has been one of the most intriguing bats I think that Auburn's had just because of her de- development and she's seeing the ball better. But uh, And also, too, one more base runner that I would like to see on is Michaela Packer. Michaela Packer's 15 for 15 this year in stolen bases. She is, without a doubt, Auburn's best base runner in that regard. Um, so Auburn's got to have base runners first and foremost, and then uh, they've, they've got to be able to find some gaps to, to, to drive them in because – if you look at the power power of uh, Alyssa Rivera, McKenna Dowell, um, and Justice Perry and company, uh, Aspen Godwin, Michaela Packer, Auburn can drive in runs, but they got it. They've had trouble stringing together hits all in the same innings, you know. So um, you look at what they did against LSU again. Well, in my opinion, one of the top teams in the country. Uh, well, they they put up some big numbers against them in Baton Rouge and. If they can somehow find that confidence from game two that we saw two weeks ago, Auburn could have a pretty good weekend. But uh, I tell you, for them to come out of this regional, they, they will have to play their best softball of any weekend of the season to come out. Yeah, I think you could say that for everybody on, in this field. I don't, I, you know, this is a very close regional. It's just so unique, too, because we talked earlier, Florida State for years, we've known about their power game. Now they're a small ball speed line drive gap team. Auburn, I man, I still remember you mentioned Casey Cooper, your broadcast partner earlier. I remember her and Carasoni and that dynamic offense. It's just weird to hear Auburn and small ball. And it's weird to say that UCF is the team in this regional that might be have the best most power. Yeah. But they also have speed. Uh so 
there'll be a long weekend for all the catchers. A lot of pressure on all the catchers against all these teams of speed. But it's so fascinating that these teams' personalities has changed over the years. Uh, UCF's so dy- dynamic. I've had coaches text me, UCF, Sydney uh, Ball Malone, they compare them to the New England Patriots because you don't know what you're going to get. One day she might put out a big power lineup. The, the next day game she might put out, or maybe even during the game, she might change to a small ball lineup. Uh, it's so fascinating. And I think this is a star pa- uh, uh, coaches regional with Lonnie Alameda, a national champion. Mickey Dean is one of the only a few coaches that have led three teams into the NCAA tournament. We highlighted what he's done at JMU, one win away from the Women's College World Series. You got Sydney Ball Malone, who's now led you know, Boise State and UCF to the NCAA tournament. Her and Lonnie are one of three coaches active alongside John Ripman that have led a West Coast program and an East Coast program into the NCAA tournament. She was an assistant under Heather Tarr. And then you got Trip McKay, who was a long, one of the, his assistant under Patty Gasso. This is a star-packed coaches regional. No, it is. It is. And that's why, for example, Auburn and UCF, you know, not only the coaches, but just the sure talent of UCF for, for Auburn fans and, and for Auburn in general, you can't look past UCF. For, forget about seeds in, in, in this regional. This is one of those regionals where that, that just doesn't mean anything. You solely have to take it one game at a time and focus on who you're playing on, on Friday because I tell you uh, – that is going to be a tough, tough game, and I, I can't wait to watch it. And you talk about star power and, and, and coaches in this regional. That's what makes it fun and exciting, right, to just to be a small part of it to see what these coaches are, are building and, and the teams that they're building and the teams that they're developing, right? I mean, um, I, I remember those JMU teams from, from, from Coach Dean. I mean, uh, Coach Dean uh, beat Auburn two out of three, while he was at James Madison, um, they, they split a doubleheader in Auburn, and then they, they beat Auburn down in, uh, down in Clearwater, Florida at a non-conference tournament. Auburn and Florida State have had their rounds. And then, of course, Auburn and UCF last played in 2016. That was the year Auburn made it to the national championship. And, Eric, I'll tell you, uh, UCF gave Auburn everything they wanted and more in that game. Auburn won that game two to nothing, and that was one of the closest games that, that Auburn had played with a non-con that season. And then Kennesaw State, Kennesaw State's proven uh, the last two years, they beat Auburn now two out of three times. Auburn winning the last game, but they beat Auburn two in a row, both in one-run games. So, um, again, from, from an Auburn perspective, it, this is this is a, a great regional because you can you know the teams, you can beat them, but also, too, you have to play your best softball because it's a talented regional. And I know UCF and the other teams feel the exact same. Yeah, Melanie Bennett's the name, Kennesaw's yeah. ace. She's beating Auburn. She's beating UCF. So yeah. uh, everybody can pitch here. Now, we mentioned star coaches. Well, we got a segue here to our star coach now here at UCF, Gus Malzahn, who has taken UCF by storm. Uh, it's been pretty wild here, UCF here, Britt. I've never seen this UCF fan base so united right now like they are behind Gus. And it was fascinating because when, he, when reports came out that he was going to be the next head coach, there were some people kind of hesitant, you know, you know, yeah. because they remember the Peach Bowl and all that stuff, which I don't want to get into and all that in that game. But he didn't have that opening day, uh, opening press conference, and he won everybody over. And ever since then, man, it's been incredible. He's he's been he's been available to the media a lot, which was not the case with the previous head coach, Josh Heupel. Good luck to the Tennessee media. Um, <laughs> so he's been tremendous. He's been at the softball games, uh, watching him, him and his wife. 
They were supporting the softball program on the road. They supported all the other teams. It's been tremendous just having them around. Uh, You obviously covered them over there. You were, you know, part of the football uh, broadcast as an engineer for years and all that. And obviously you're an Auburn guy. Your thoughts on Gus, what can UCF fans expect from Gus? And what's been like seeing Gus here from afar here at UCF, over here at UCF? Well, first and foremost, I I have a lot of fond memories of Gus because uh, some of the biggest Auburn wins in in Auburn history have have come in his tenure. So um, as a student, when Gus was hired, uh, that was my senior year in 2013. So I've got a lot of fond memories uh, from his tenure at Auburn. Um, I, I'm, de- I'm certainly intrigued by him being at UCF, uh, just with his coaching ability and also the, the resources that UCF has. I mean, UCF is a great program, a great program. I mean, uh, uh, what you guys have done in, in the last five, 10 years is speak for itself. And for, for Gus to be able to walk into a program with those types of resources, I, I mean, uh, automatically, I think you're, you're, you're the, one of the top contenders in the American Athletics Conference, and who I think I think Gus, he's got the ability if he can build his staff and get the right pieces around him. I I think UCF can be a power in that conference and can be a power on the national stage first and foremost. But also too with Gus, I, I think the most interesting thing uh, about him is you alluded to it is, is how different he is with the media and, and how open he is and has been in, in his personality in this opening press conference. He showed flashes of that at Auburn, um, but I, I think as the tenure got, got he, as he got deeper and deeper into his tenure, I think the pressure started to mount more and more. It, it just it, with Auburn, it just comes with the job, and, and and naturally, everything you're going through week in and week out in the SEC, there, there, there's pressure with that. And I, I think he as a coach, he 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 got tired over the years, and then he came in pretty tight, and I, I think it got. I think it intensified over his tenure. And I think giving him the ability to reset and go to a new program. And I think he's alluded to this, that, you know, he, he spent a lot of time thinking about, Hey, what went well, what would he do different from Auburn to UCF? And I think for him, which is great. I, I think that that's one of the things that will help him in being more open is, 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 is being more open and, 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 you know, being able to communicate what he wants for his program will certainly help him. It's certainly going to help the media, Eric, like you guys. You guys are going to love that because, um, again, uh, you know, press conferences, you know, if they were in 15 minutes for, for Auburn football, like, hey, that, that was a typical press conference, you know. So for Gus, I think having that ability to reset well, is going to be big for him. And I think it rejuvenates you as a coach. And um, I, I think he's got a great chance to have success at UCF. And and I, I think most Auburn fans feel this way. I certainly can't speak for everybody, but it, it, at least for me personally, I, mean, I don't know of a lot of people that that wish that wish Gus a, a bad tenure at UCF. I, I, for one, am very thankful for what he did at Auburn. Um, again, he he changed our program. I mean, he he got our program uh, out of the the out of one of the lowest points it's ever been at, all, off a three and nine season, and and flipped that into a a national runner up and an SEC champion the very next year. So. And, and what he's been able to do even since then, you know, I mean, he had some great wins over some of the top teams in the country in Alabama. I mean, you, you can't hide what the guy's done and the capabilities that he has as a head coach. So um, wish him the best. But, uh, you also did mention 
about him going out to to certain uh, UCF events, going to softball and different things. That that is one trait at Auburn. Auburn has a culture. It, the athletics department they encourage that out of their coaches. They encourage the coaches and the teams to go and support one another. Um, so so that doesn't surprise me to hear that from Coach Malzahn and 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 his wife Christy because um, I I saw them hosting the Coach Blow show at a local restaurant here in Auburn um, for women's basketball and, and he was at one of the one of the last shows we were actually able to have on location prior to the pandemic. So um, not surprised to hear that. I'm glad to hear that continues. And, and again, I, I'm excited to see UCF just like anybody. I know the Auburn media is excited to see it too, because this is a different version of Gus that, that we certainly did not get, especially in the latter years of this team with at Auburn. The other thing that struck me, the players have talked about how they've, they've really bought in to him because they feel like he cares about him as a person. And that's something he has highlighted and he's brought the staff and there's a lot of people and uh, coaches on his staff that you're familiar with because they coached at Auburn uh, as well. But I thought that was what struck me was that he, as people, they care about people. And these players seem like they want, they, even though, you know, they just inherited him as a coach, they're ready to, you know, run through a wall for him. Is that something that was also over there as a person, as a, the people skills, it seems like he has that. He, he talks about how, He's, never, he's always been that teacher. He loves to teach going back to being a high school. Uh, and it just seems to rub off on the players. Do you Was that the case over there? Yeah, I, I certainly got that feel. No, obviously, I wasn't in the locker room, um, you know, and, and, and in staff meetings and things like that. But as, as a fan and a young media member actually able to, to cover the team from time to time, you pick up I, – I certainly picked up on that. I, I think it really started um, – Surprisingly, under under Gene Chizik, when 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 Gus was there as an offensive coordinator, they had a, a team chaplain, Chet Williams, on staff at the time, and that's that's what I remember that that culture of of you know caring about the person and, and caring about the student, not just the athlete of the student athlete, but also the student, the person, everything that embodies that one student athlete. Um, that that was starting to foster, you know, in, in around the 2009-2010 season, obviously. Uh, we hit rock bottom in 2012-2013, but Gus wasn't on that staff in 2012-20 or in 2012. I mean, he was on there, I think, the first two, three years with Gene and then left Arkansas State. But that's something he is a coach. I think he's always been that way, but he he took that at, at Auburn and, and built it into his own and, and, and grew it into the everyday culture at Auburn, I think, while I was here. And, and again, I, I, I think – I think that's who he was, and in, in, again, prior to coming to into college coaching. But um, I think Auburn's culture certainly enhanced that, uh, just what it was, what he was doing as an assistant. Auburn as a whole—that's one thing about Auburn University, and, and not just to, to take away from Gus, but that is one thing Auburn as a whole. That if you come on this campus, it doesn't matter team or department. That 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 is uh, that that is something that is emphasized here. Is you you care about the person and not just just a student athlete, and, and to Gus's credit, I, I probably fit that mold fairly well. Um, and, and, and going to UCF, if he carries that with him, that is certainly going to be appealing to especially 17, 18-year-olds. They, they're looking for a new home and a place to come play college football. Um, he's going to be a good coach to come play for. And and with uh, UCF, too, uh, Eric, where you guys are located, I'm excited to see what that staff can do recruiting. I mean, you guys are in one of the hotbeds in the country yeah. of, of high school football and high school talent. And, and for him to be around, I mean, I, I'm interested to see what he can do because Auburn, I mean, Auburn's tough. I mean, you, you're, you can recruit here, you can win here. And, and he certainly recruited well here, but I mean, you're constantly recruiting 
against the best of the best. And you know that that's tough. And and UCF, you are recruiting against the best of the best, but it's in it's, it's in a different scenario. They're not necessarily in the same conference. So um, to, to be in that geographic location um, is going to be a huge benefit for, for Gus and his staff. Yeah, he has said that they're, they're going to recruit until their hair is on, like their hair is on fire. Uh, I'm still working. I'm not. I'm still working trying to figure out a Gus impersonation there, uh, there. But you know what's impressed me too is when he got hired. A lot of Auburn fans I saw said, "Hey, he's a great guy. They're rooting for him." You know, and I thought that was great. You know, one of the things that's kind of frustrating about UCF fans. There's been a lot of UCF fans that still kind of hold a a negative tone on Scott Frost at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. You know, because kind of how he left and some other stuff we won't get into. But I always feel like, hey, you know, if that coach did their time in, in that in that school and had success. You should root for them, whatever they end up doing moving forward. And I got a sense that Auburn fans, maybe they were – I know they were frustrated with Gus and things like that, but I think I was very impressed with a lot of Auburn fans afterwards saying, hey, we wish you well. We're going to be rooting you on. And, 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 you know, I think a lot of Auburn fans will be watching him at UCF and rooting for him. You get it. I, I got that sense. Have you gotten that sense too? I, I think so. And because here's the thing about Gus, again, a lot of good memories – with us in the last seven, eight years. And, um, you know, while I, I, I am of the opinion, and again, I don't expect everybody to disagree, to agree with me, but, um, you know, I, I, I think the the marriage between Auburn and, and Gus, I, I think it had run its course. And, and I, I think it was time for, for both schools to, to, to try something new. Um, and, it, but honestly, too, at the same time, though, I mean, there's no hard feelings in that, right? I mean, with, with with, with Gus, what he did, he came in and um, he he did something that um, Auburn has only done like twice before, and that's or once before rather, and that's played an NBCS national title game, you know, and and to take us from three and nine to to what was it, thirteen and one, thirteen and two that year, um, you know, that that's, that was that was remarkable of what he did. Um, so I, I think for a lot of people, it, they will be rooting for Gus because again, he he was. Um, part of the community to, to a sense. And um, I, I think a lot of people have, have, for the most part, positive memories of him. And, and again, you know, everybody has their different opinions on 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 decisions made down the stretch in the course of his tenure. And, and that's not for me to decide on. I mean, I think all in all, if you look at the positive impact that he had on Auburn's program, he certainly had one. And, and, I, and I definitely think he's going to be one of those coaches that's, uh, you know, as time goes on, I think wounds will heal and, uh, I, I think this this will be one of those places where he's always welcome back, and I, I you know, and and also too, you got to remember his kids graduated from Auburn. His 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 family loved living here, you know, and I, I think this is a place that that they'll always call home, and, and vice versa. I think this is a place he'll he'll always be welcome back, and he should he should for the accomplishments there. Not only as the head coach, but the offensive coordinator. Sure. For under Gene Chizik when you won the national title with Cam Newton in 2010. And I think a lot of people feel that he was a big part of that national title. That's why he was brought back to be the head coach to replace Gene. And, and a lot of, and, and, and I don't know all the, the ins and outs. I mean, I, I've heard and you certainly read several things that I, you're, you're not exactly sure if Auburn gets Cam Newton without Gus Melton. You know what I mean? So um, I, I think Gus definitely deserves some credit in the role that, that, that he played in the 2010 national championship team and, and you're right again so i mean auburn had a decade nearly a decade with gus minus the one to two years excuse me the one to two years that he was at arkansas state so um again it is it's going to be interesting to see i know auburn's got a a, a new era starting with brian harson and uh man he, he's got a tough job ahead of him and then also for gus i mean what can he do 
with the resources at UCF and the conference in the America, which is a great conference, it's very competitive. So um, it's going to be a fun football season. And uh, with the with the kickoff time of Auburn and Penn State being announced yesterday uh, or two days ago, I've got uh, I've got my my text messages already blowing up about the excitement buzzing for the fall. But um, I, I'm excited to get there. But first and foremost. Eric, I, I'm excited to see some good softball this weekend in, in Tallahassee. It's funny, the connections. Brian Hartson, obviously coming from Boise State, that's who UCF will open with uh, is against Boise State. Marquee game is probably, I've heard it could be a Thursday night game on ESPN. It's not official, but we'll know soon enough on that. But what's funny is Brian Hartson was at Boise State. One of Brian Hartson's friends is Sydney Ball Malone, who's the UCF softball head coach when she was at Boise State. And then one of Mickey Dean's friends, as I was talking to Mickey about, is Gus. Like, it's full circle here. This is pretty wild. It really is. And, um, and that's what's great about this profession and, and this community is, is a lot of this is full circle. You know, and you got former athletes uh, playing their former schools and, and, and friends coaching at opposing schools and in different sports. And it, everything kind of goes full circle. And that's what's kind of fun. And, Eric, even in our profession, you know, I, I met you five years ago, just a, a kid that still had a lot to learn about about softball. And, um, you know, you've been very kind to me, our good friend uh, Kyle Crooks over in Gainesville. Yeah. Kyle fairly well. So just getting to know people like that has is, is been, been the funnest part. And uh, that's what's kind of fun about this regional. While, yeah, it's always fun to go and play somebody new or, or play in a stadium you haven't played in before. It's also Kind of, kind of good. It gives that extra competitive edge when, hey, they, there are relationships, there are connections between the two schools. Makes for good storylines and uh, certainly uh, adds a little extra spice to to the competition that weekend. Yeah, I guarantee you, Gus and Brian are going to be watching the softball regional, and we need to get Alan Green, the AD for Auburn, and Terry Mahajer together and just schedule home and homes all these sports. They did this for basketball. UCF's going to Auburn in men's basketball this year after Auburn played at UCF this past season. Baseball just finished a home and home. We got to get we got to get all these sports together here, Brent. Uh, make make it happen. I, I saw that they, they, they I called a couple of the games for UCF baseball and Auburn baseball last year, and yeah. that's UCF. They came in. I think they're the hottest team in the country at, at the yeah. time, or one of the hottest teams. So again, a lot of history between the two schools, and, and of course when. Again, when I saw Auburn and UCF matched up in, in, in the NCAA tournament this year, I, I said, of course. You know what? Why, why not? Why not these two? Because, again, with uh, just, again, all, all the connections between the two schools and then also, too, just uh, just the, the quality of softball programs that both schools have. You know, so yeah. it certainly makes for, for great competition. And um, uh, I can't wait to see UCF in person because, uh, uh, again, I, I think it's going to be a – Incredible matchup and a very tough matchup at that. No question about it. That's Britt Bowen, the voice of Auburn softball uh, as well. Cat, uh, tell the audience where they can find your work. And uh, you do great work, not just obviously with softball, but you do also have women's basketball as yep. well on SEC Network Plus and on the Auburn radio. Just tell the audience where they can find you. Yeah, so you can listen to me and my broadcast partner, J.J. Jackson, this weekend. We'll be locally in the Auburn area on Tiger 95.9 FM, but you can also find us anywhere in the country. doesn't matter where. As long as you have cell service or internet, you can find us for free on AuburnTigers.com or the Auburn Tigers app. Again, you can go to AuburnTigers.com, search for the audio link, or, or the Auburn Tigers app. And the Auburn Tigers app on your smartphone 
very easy to operate. You just go down to the bottom and click listen now and uh, or live events, listen now, and we'll be right there at the top. Again, we'll be on the air at 12.45 Central on Friday as Auburn prepares for UCF in uh, round one of the Tallahassee region. Should be a lot of fun. Break, good catching up with you. Uh, like I said, man, have safe travels there. Enjoy the broadcast. You'll be a fun regional. It's great to talk to you. And we'll definitely talk, do this again down the road as Auburn and UCF keep playing in the different sports. That's what we got to push for. So uh, be safe, man, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Eric, appreciate the time, man. And thanks again to Britt Bowen for joining us here on the Black and Go Banneret podcast. And uh, that was a good breakdown. Got a little bit of everything. A little softball regional breakdown. That was great. But also a little gust. Little Gus breakdown. How about that fact that I mentioned that? Gus Malzahn is friends with Mickey Dean, who I spoke with this week. He's friends with Mickey Dean. Mm-hmm. He, he used to go to a lot of the sporting events at Auburn. And then you got Brian Hartson, who's the new head coach at Auburn. He's friends with Cindy Ball Malone from the Boise State days. Kind of weird, unique that they're all these buddies there. But Kind of uh, scares me a little ask, bit. <laughs> kind of weird, right? But it's kind of unique. So let me ask you this, because me and Britt talked about this. You look at UCF and Auburn. They're playing in softball regionals. They just played a finished a home and home in baseball, where UCF uh, swept uh, men's Auburn hoops. last. They've played in men's hoops. UCF is scheduled to season, go to Auburn season opener this, this year. This past year, scheduled to go to Auburn later yeah. at UCF. They go to Auburn. Why not? Let's make like. Can't we get UCF Auburn to play more uh, all the time in all these sports? How great is that? We got with all these t- connections with Gus here at now at UCF. You've got you know all these ties in. Why not? I mean, let, I think it's a natural. Uh, you know, I know football is a little more complicated, but you have some history there with the Peach Bowl. And uh, not only that, but you've written about this. There was that infamous Auburn game, the Culpepper senior year, that if UCF yeah. wins that game, UCF's going to a bowl game. Uh, instead, they lose, what was it, 10-6, to six, and there was just yeah. you know, bad luck stuff. game. I mean, there's some history here between these two programs. Plus, the two fan bases have some, one thing in uh, common. They both hate Alabama. <laughs> I, I think that there are there are a few schools. That I'm going to talk about this specifically from the football point of view because you know it's it's easier to schedule um, these. It's easier to schedule in other sports, but I think whenever we talk about scheduling in UCF, we're always going to talk about football, right? I think there are a couple of schools where it makes perfect sense for UCF to have a good scheduling relationship with. Auburn's one of them. All right, Florida State to me is another one. A lot of parallels between those two schools um we have we have obviously everything going with boise state and i'm a little bit selfish on this but i'll say it anyway i think syracuse would be a good team for ucf to sort of develop a good scheduling scheduling relationship with especially in football they played each other before had some really thrilling games in football in the early 2000s um i I think that's an acc school now it's an acc school yep um i think mississippi state would be a fun team for ucf to play out of the sec um, if you're if if you're going to get the cold shoulder from the Floridas, the Georgias, the Alabamas, the Clemsons of the world, you know what? Work your way down the list, and you know what, Auburn, let's go. Mississippi State, let's go. Mizzou, let's go. Um, Florida State, you know, we, we already talked about Georgia Tech. You know, Georgia Tech and UCF are quite familiar, obviously. Uh, That's North another Carolina. match. That's on my list. That's on my yep. list here. Yeah. North Carolina, North Carolina is another one. NC State, uh, I, yeah, NC State, I think would be another good one. Although I, I don't know if there, there's quite as much value in playing NC State right now because their program's on the downslide. I think the value is more in playing North they had Carolina. A game. They had a bowl season. They had a bowl um, season. Yeah, but you, as you always say, everyone has a bowl season. But anyway, 
That's um, true. Yeah. The uh, so I, I think that there are some that there's some good relationships to be had out there with, uh, and I think Auburn is certainly one of them. I would not mind doing a doing a home and home with Auburn, or even dare I say, I would not mind doing a two for one with an option, and you pay for. Well, the, you know this with. Well, let's and, th- and, let's, and, and, and if they cancel that third game, if they cancel that third game, you know what? Pay us the money. Pay us the gate. Well, speaking of the money, think about this. You have Auburn and UCF. You got the Gus Malzahn storyline. Mm-hmm. What if TV says, hey, why don't you two play a game to start the year at the Florida Citrus sign Sports? As a Where do I sign? Prime time, right? Where do I like, sign? Because you know TV would sign up, yeah. right? Like Auburn, UCF, the Gus Malzahn storyline? Uh, it, it would be huge. Obviously, it's not going to happen. But, but could you imagine UCF, and, you know, Auburn has a decent year under Harston the first year. Gus and UCF have a good year. You likely get to two bowl teams that are kind of on the upswing. That would make a great kickoff classic game to start 2022, wouldn't it? UCF. The storyline's there. The storyline's there. Yeah, it is made for TV. TV will want that too. They yeah. will want that. They will pay whatever it takes to do it. You got to do it. You you do it. That's fun, man. It almost it, it's dare I say it makes too much sense, and that's why I'm afraid it won't happen. Oh, I agree. It <laughs> Something will be blocked off. Just too it awkward, makes, it whatever. Makes, it, everything in college football, if it makes too much sense, it's not going to happen. Anyway, thanks to Britt Bowen uh, for spending time with us. You can follow him uh, at Britt Bowen AU. That's B-R-I-T, one T, um, B-O-W-E-N-A-U on Twitter. Uh, and uh, and I'm sure you guys will talk more Dolphins, as, I'm sure, as the uh, fall approaches. I will try. We'll try with him. He'll be on the radio. By the way, Jen Hildreth and Brittany McKinney will have the ESPN call for the Tallahassee Regional. I interviewed Brittany McKinney on my In the Circle podcast that will air is airing on Thursday. You can hear the Tallahassee Regional preview. You'll hear from Sydney Ball Malone in that region in that in that podcast. You'll hear from Mickey Dean, the Auburn head coach who I spoke to this week, and from mm-hmm. Brittany McKinney in the interview. Lots of stuff in that regional, just so you know. All right. Once again, 2 p.m. Friday, UCF and Auburn kicking off the Tallahassee Regional on ESPN2. When we get back here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, we'll talk uh, UCF tennis. Both tennis teams seeing their seasons come to an end uh, in the NCAA tournament. We'll also talk baseball and rowing wrapping up their season as well. Stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff and Eric with you. Lots to talk about here in this last segment of kind of our grab bag of results. But we wanted to to start off with our hats off to both UCF men's and women's tennis who saw their seasons come to an end in the NCAA. In the Sweet 16, the women's team uh, knocked off by Duke 4-3 in an insanely tight match. Uh, It was Duke who won the doubles point. So, I all right, Elo, I followed this match really tight. Um, it was, it, it was three to one Duke. UCF won two mat, two single mat. Duke won the doubles point. UCF won three singles matches to get it to three, three. And then it all came down to court number three, which was Chloe Beck for Duke against, uh, Evgeny, uh, uh, against Evgenia Lavashova for, uh, UCF. Uh, Levashova won 6-4, won 6-4 in the first, lost 6-2 in the second. All of the other matches had finished before they started the third set. 
Okay, they were the only they they weren't the only three set match, but they theirs was right. the longest. So they go back and forth in this third set. Uh, first four games went the way they went, went according to serve. Then we had five straight breaks in this nerves, match. Nerves, man, nerves. Yeah, yeah. nerves. And as and it ended up, uh, Chloe Beck uh, ended up getting the win on, on a break. You know, at six four, uh, or at five four, and she and it was a uh, clutch passing shot. She got Levashova to come to the net, and then ripped off maybe the shot of the night on a beautiful passing shot to to end it. And there goes UCF season. So so close to mm. moving up. I mean, you're talking one or two swings here, it's over, and. Uh, and UCF moves on, uh, but as it was, Duke moves on. I feel like, all right, so UCF was the uh, number nine team in the country. Duke was number 18. Duke, however, was unseeded coming into the tournament. Yep. But they yep. did knock off Baylor, the number eight, uh, to get out of the second round to get to UCF and then beat UCF, who was a nine seed. Um, I think you've got to take your hats off to Duke. That was an impressive performance by then. Do you think that UCF comes UCF women's team comes out of this disappointed or I I, I hate to say satisfied, but um, but do, do they feel like you know what, that was a fair result? No, I think them personally they're disappointed because to be that close to getting to the Elite Eight after being in the Sweet Sixteen two years ago. Now, what did I tell you when this whole tournament started in tennis? I told you that the committee was going to stack the regional against UCF because UCF was the host mm-hmm. team in both. And what happened? On the men's side, they drew Mississippi State in the second round, a team that could have hosted easily was a top 20 team. You look at the women's side where you look at Duke, well, they're unseeded. But you just mentioned it. They were ranked 18th, another team that was underseeded. Baylor paid the price, and Duke, you know, pulled it out. We'll see how they do against their rivals, North Carolina. I would feel better if they lost to North Carolina, to be honest. Um, <laughs> North I Carolina, think, the number one overall seed, by correct. the way. Correct. The favorites. Them, yeah, they're yep. the favorites. Um, I think it stings. It's going to take a little while because you're at home. You're in a backyard. If you lose this, like, in, like, you know, Winston-Salem, you're not as bothered by it. But you lose in your home. That stings a little bit and be that close. Yeah. It's going to sting. They're going to have to bounce back. I think it's still a strong year. It's a successful year because, look, you freaking made the Sweet 16. That's not anything to sneeze yeah. at. Beat, but, beat Miami. But yeah, beat <clears throat> Miami. You know, on the way. Yep. Beat You win the, You get to host. You got to be a number nine national seed. Huge accomplishment. But internally, it stings because you were that close with this group. Now the question becomes, you know, Rebecca Stolmar is a senior. She moves on. You still got some players coming back, but you also have to consider do some players go pro? You know, we don't know what the roster will look like. It's well, some of the seniors, you're too, always... they could come back because of the could, eligibility could. rule. Well, right, 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 right. Correct. It's just so up in the air. But you just wonder, like, oh, it was that close to being an Elite Eight. In your mind, you're think- you can't help but think you're at home. You're at home. And uh, so it stings. I think it stings internally. Uh, It's going to take them a little while, probably the summer, to get over it. And they have, you know, and to bounce back. But outwardly, I still think it's a successful season because you got to the Sweet 16 
But man, you think about, and you brought this up. Was it last week? This is an example. I rather lose like how men's soccer did. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like you just all right, you're done. You're I, like, yeah. Boom, I, boom, I'd boom. rather say I'd rather I'd rather lose in a blowout because, and I know that not everybody agrees with me on this, but here's my here's my no. take. You and I are on the same page on this. We're okay, really I'd rather lose in a blowout because I walk off that field or that court thinking, you know what? We got beat by the better team. We got beat yes. clearly by the better team. And then you're not replaying in your mind, it! if I had only done this or I'd done that, we would have won, right? It's kind of like, yes. hey, man, we did everything we could. We just got clobbered by a better team. You know what? Hat, tip your hat to them. Say yes. congratulations, I go agree. win it. Yes, I think the two, pro- heck, three programs this semester you got – Volleyball, I guarantee you those players are still thinking in their mind, how did we lose to high point? Why couldn't I have done this? Why couldn't I have done that? I think women's tennis is going to go through some of that. Probably men's tennis is going through some of that, although their loss against Mississippi State, not as dramatic as the women's loss. Whereas men's soccer, they're like, we just lost to a team that went to the final four. Yeah. You know, and we just we were just beaten. Uh, I agree with you. It's a stings. It stings. It's a shame because it was an incredible year. Uh, but you know, that's sports, man. It's a tight match. Give Duke credit, man. They made the points happen. They're good. It's not like you lost to a team you weren't supposed to. Duke, as you mentioned, is the 18th ranked team in the country. It just shows you that the tennis committee is just as incompetent as softball is. And when it comes to <laughs> seeding the tournament, there you go. Oh, you never, you, you never miss the opportunity. <laughs> Ne- it's, can I can't, can never well, I can't blame Tulsa if for Murph this. Is, I can't if, blame t- if Murph or Colin Sherman are listening to this, put this on odds, please. You can never – Eric Lopez never misses on a chance to rag on a committee about seating. It's great. I can – like How are clockwork. you ranked 18th in the country and like – whatever. We're tough, tough. But a great look, year. I, great year. I, well, they get, look, it, if Duke wins it all, oh. were they were they seated oh. incorrectly? Well, the they qu- can get no. to the final four tonight. Oh, listen! If that happens, that makes see this is the this is why I don't like and, and see see this going to sting more. That's going to sting more, man, because you're like well, that could have been right. us. That could have been us. Well, well, here, here's my thing: where like you you can only see them based on the data that you have prior to the tournament. A team can get teams don't play at the same level throughout the whole year. Some teams just get hot at the right time. No, no, you're so, right. Tell you're, me about I, like tell me about Marshall men's soccer. They won the national championship. Or Santa Clara women's soccer. I mean, how about that? We had our soccer champions this year were Marshall men and Santa Clara women. Were they misseeded? I don't think so. They just well, got hot and they caught the breaks. Well, I saw some of the experts say that they thought Marshall should have been seeded and stuff like that. I, I get your point. I get your point. Okay, think- but they won it all, which implies that they should have been the number one. You can't say that. Yeah. Right? The interesting thing that kind of – I will defend the committee on this because I've had to explain this a lot of times this week on the softball side. As you know this, the biggest issue that committee has, there's this 400-mile radius rule. Yeah. Where they You have to bust a certain amount of teams within a 400 miles. That's what hurts the seedings because what happens is instead of properly seeding how you think, 1 through 64, there are some caveats like, well, we're going to bust UCF to Florida. we got to bust them to Florida State instead of naturally seeding them, and that's what throws off the seedings sometimes. I wish the Olympics, especially wish, in this state, where you have teams that are that are good in every sport. Absolutely, and in my opinion, it's an outdated rule. 
Get rid of it. Get rid of the four. Like, everybody can fly now. Like, this ain't 1979 where we're trying to, hey, can we get on a train here? Like, can we get out of here? Like, people can fly out. Let's just get that rid of the that, that whole rule. And I think, you would, I think it would make it easier to seed the tournament. I really do. I, I, under, I understand it this year. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Budgets yeah, yeah, are in yeah, a huge yes, crunch. Yes, I totally, yes, I totally agree. get it this year. Agreed. You know, so that's why I think, like, you kind of have to, like, throw it out. Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the yeah. future, yes. Okay, I agree with you. When we're in a when we're in a non-COVID budgetary situation, I think you're 100 percent right. I think they should loosen those rules quite a bit. Um, allow for you know, may, why not have an airline be a sponsor of the NCAA tournament, right? Yeah, American Airlines, JetBlue, or something, and then they can provide. Yeah. They can comp flights. Well, what's so funny? What's wherever, so right? What's so funny is golf. I mean, UCF women's golf just went to Louisville. There's no, you know what I mean? Like, there's right. no 400 mile radius in golf. I mean, I know there's lesser people, and you know, well, it's that. a differently formatted tournament, though. I mean, Correct. everyone, you know. right? But like, that's what makes that tournament so great. Is like you're not worried about well, we're gonna go here like we always do. You really don't know where the golf team's going, and I think I wish we have that. I'm sure. Like, think about it, Jeff. In the fall, I guarantee you, you and I are going to be talking after UCF volleyball. You know, is right there in the mix for another conference title. Well, where are they, where are they going to go? Oh, they're probably going to go to Gainesville. Yeah, <laughs> you know, what I mean? like, like, you know like, we're only so happy. Like, if a team gets good enough, where UCF can host. Like, we didn't even really know what to do when volleyball hosted. Right, it was like, like what? What? Folks, right, it what? happened. Right? Yeah. <laughs> So, so, but hey, like I said, great year for women's tennis. I know it stings. It stings, but uh, a sweet 16 is still a heck of a run, and they're going to finish ranked pretty high and uh, high expectations for next year. They could build up, build on this. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, the men's side, which you mentioned, uh, they got to the second round. They beat Monmouth, but right. lost to Mississippi State. And credit to you once again, Eric. You told me yep. last week. Couple weeks that, ago, it was a couple weeks watch, ago. Watch, hey, yep. watch out for Mississippi State. Yep. There's something yep. about that team that's a little dangerous. Um, you know what? Uh, and and look what happened. UCF actually uh, won the doubles point, right? And won only one singles match the rest of the way. Uh, Gabe DeCamps was in a third set, but went unfinished. Um, but uh, let's see, two uh, court two was a loss. Court three was a loss. Poor Juan Pablo Mizuki. He went 7-5 both sets and lost them both. Um, straight sets on four uh, to Mississippi State. Trey Hildebrand went three um, and uh, and lost his set. Uh, and that was the clincher right there. Um, credit to Mississippi State. This is just a... Uh, they were the better team that day. Here's okay, here's my theory on this, Eric, is... All right. Women's tennis, I agree with you probably feels pretty disappointed right now because they've been to the Sweet 16 before, two years ago. They lost to Pepperdine out in Malibu. It was a great experience, but it's one of those things where it's like, okay, we're back. We're at home. You know, this is our this is our shot. The men's team, I think they should give themselves a little bit more grace because they hadn't been to the NCAA tournament in a while. Well, a and couple of years ago, they made the couple, tournament. A couple years ago, but they, but, a, you know, but but they haven't won a match. Right. They they're not as battle hardened right now as the women's team is. So and I'm not saying they shouldn't be disappointed. I mean, I obviously they are probably pretty bummed right now, but I feel like they should give themselves a little bit more grace because of the because they haven't quite they're on the verge of making the leap that women's already did. So 
what's the next step for them? I think that they're set up for a really good year next year. What do you think? Yes, but I also think we got to remind ourselves here, the season's not over yet. Right. Men's, is you got DeCamps on singles competing for a championship. Doubles is competing for a championship. The yeah, women wanted has, to get to that too. The yeah. women's has singles. So we're, we're, we're kind of like ending this like it's over. This, we still have not, the, the, the final chapter of this season has yet to be written here. Yeah. The, um, for both teams, both right. schools. So, so singles, uh, on the, let's talk about this on the women's side. Valeria, uh, Valeria Zaleva was an automatic qualifier. Uh, for UCF. So she's uh, one of the 13 automatic qualifiers in the singles tournament. Uh, Rebecca Stolmar made it as an at-large. So it's a 64-player singles tournament. This is separate from the dual match team tournament. When the dual match team tournament ends, the singles and the doubles start. All right, And then you hand, they hand out individual NCAA championships. So Valeria and... Uh, uh, excuse me for and Rebecca for UCF are playing in the singles. We don't know what the seedings are for any of that. I don't even think they've drawn that out yet. They're just we know who the rosters are, um, and we're going to see and they're going to be playing in the women's singles. In women's doubles, uh, it's going to be uh, let's see. Have they? Uh, okay, here it is. Uh, a Tulsa team. One of the, one of the doubles teams from Tulsa won the American doubles uh, or, or won the American double slot. There's no double slots for No, nobody made uh, it for UCF. UCF. On the, the men's side, side. The, on the women's side, yeah. The men's right. side has the doubles team with Hildebrand and Paulville. They made right. the side the men's and then you got DeCamps in the single side. Yeah, Gabe DeCamps won the uh, automatic qualifier on the single side uh from the American and he's the only UC, is that right? He's the only UCF player in the singles tournament. Yes. So, uh so it's all on Gabe. He was just ranked as high as 3rd in the country right. this year. Uh he's he's still hovering in the top 10 depending upon you know, when you look at it, but that shows you how good he is. So, uh, and then of course you talked about the doubles team. So Gabe, I think is, is he a dark horse to win the national title? Ooh, dark horse. That's kind of strong. I don't know if he could say he's a dark horse considering the kid from Florida, the one kid from Florida, um, he's, I think the overall favorite favorite. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I wouldn't say dark. He's, He's in the mix probably. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you're a 10 seed, yeah, I guess 10 seed would qualify. Depending on the seed he gets, let me let me just say that if he gets a seed around 10, uh, top eight, whatever, yeah, you could say he's a bit of a dark, slight dark horse. Okay. But he's at home. He's going to be playing at home. So yeah, I, I feel like that could be a trendy pick uh, if we had you know betting on this. Which by the I way, guess. Murph, Murph and Colin, get on that, right? Will you? <laughs> uh, I don't want to go there. <laughs> Um, the, uh, so, so yeah, the, uh, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on the singles and the doubles for you. That's taking place, uh, later next week. Uh, yeah. I want to see, um, uh, yeah. So the women, the individual championships, uh, let's see, what's the, what's the schedule for this? It's, uh, the 23rd men's singles round of 64 women's singles round of 64. Uh, and it's just tennis everywhere at, uh, at the USTA Heck yeah. on Sunday, May 23rd through Friday, May 28th. Those are the women's singles and doubles finals at noon and the men's singles and doubles finals uh, on May 28th, Friday, May 28th. So and I believe the tennis channel carried towards the latter end of that tournament. They'll be uh, carrying it. Uh, they will actually, the tennis channel will be carrying the team semis. Yep. Two of the semis and both of the team championships. 
Okay. But they will not be carrying the individual. Uh, and the the doubles. Oh, you That's going to be yeah. on tennis one. Yeah, because the French Open starts right around that mm-hmm. time. That's what it is. So. Stupid French Open. Nobody plays tennis on clay. Anyway. Rafael Nadal is getting Novak Djokovic. Come on, people. We just yeah. skip forward. No one, no, one, anyway. no one cares about tennis on clay. Get get over it. All right. All right yeah. So there's your tennis update. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, another one that we wanted to point out. Rowing. I was at the American uh, Championships. And Eric, the streak is broken. What in the world happened? Well, you know, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll tell you exactly what happened. Coach Becky was right. Yeah. Coach Becky was right. The uh, UCF finishes in second um, to SMU. She was worried about SMU the whole po- the whole way through. She said so in, in her interview. interview with her last yep. week. Yep. And lo and behold, SMU, number 12 team in the country, they win the American Championship. They did so by sweeping every race. The, uh, excuse me, the uh, both the varsity fours and the varsity eights. UCF's boats finished in second in all those races. So credit to uh, credit credit to credit to Coach Becky. She was right. She was one hundred percent right. And congrats to SMU. And then they get left out of the NCAA's for the first time in six years. Uh, SMU got in uh, and. There were no other uh, American teams in the at that UCF didn't even get an at large bid, which is to me kind of surprising. Little surprising. Um, Who got in? Uh, uh, SMU, Rhode Island. The automatic qualifiers were SMU, Rhode Island, Virginia, Texas, Michigan, Northeastern, uh, Marist, Washington, Navy, Gonzaga. The at larges. Ready? Yeah. Alabama, Brown, Cal, uh, Duke. Ohio State, Princeton, Rutgers, Stanford, Syracuse, Tennessee, Washington State, Wisconsin. That's a lot of brand names, and I'm including the Ivy League in that. Ivy League, yeah, yeah. Well, the Ivy rowing. League is the brand name in rowing. Yeah, so it they're the to SEC me, of rowing. Yeah, so that sounds to me that's kind of what happened there. Boy, that's still a little disappointing. They would have thought yep. they would have snuck in there uh, as a second team in the American, but uh, it sounds to me they, you know, they got we went with power brands there. Yeah. So, but we want to congratulate them on it on again getting through the season. I mean, it's it was a difficult season, not as many meets as they usually have, uh, and they still. I mean, they were competitive, but I know that I know that they're not going to be too happy with the result of that. But hey, guess what? Chance to get back after it next year as we start again. Uh, a couple other uh, notes we wanted to get to before baseball. Johnny Travail uh, from the UCF uh, men's golf team. Uh, finished in 13th place at the NCAA Tallahassee Regional. He was five under par. Unfortunately, he did not advance to the NCAA championship. Uh, and we got some basketball news here, too. All right, this is where it's going to start with this with this rule where everyone who played gets a free pass this year in terms of eligibility, Eric. Yes, sir. Because guess who's back for UCF women's basketball? Masani Kaba, Tay Sanders, Janiah Walker. They're all coming back. So that's some big front court help that UCF needed, especially with Moss coming back. I thought that she was really peaking at the end of this season. I thought she was UCF's clearly best front court player in the back half of the year. She's going to come back one more year of eligibility. um, And wow, they're taking advantage of the COVID-19 waiver. Good for them. And we'll be seeing those three players once again. They were they were really key players this past year, and now they get a freebie. They get another year to 
help try and put UCF over the top in the American. I think that's big. That's big for Coach Abe. I did. They're going to return everybody back. I think they're going to be ready to go. I've been hearing that Diamond Battles is actually doing well from her injury and that there's optimism there that she could be ready to go for the season, start of the season. So they're up to that's going in a positive direction. So keeping our look, fingers crossed on that one, man. Yeah. Definitely. Plus the incoming freshmen that they like a lot that's coming in. So this is a team that's going to be co-favorites right there with South Florida in the American and women's bat in, in the American uh, you know, we'll see obviously what kind of season I think we'll have a closer to normal season the way we're headed. Uh, so I would expect a much bigger non-conference uh, slate. Remember the American, in fact, it was reported going back to 18 game schedule. I know you're not happy about that one. You got, nope. <laughs> but I warned you, both coaches told me that was good. What they, 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 I know, I know it's, it's an imbalanced schedule. Well, their their theory is they want more non-conference games. Uh, that's the th- rationale. And okay, uh, great. Schedule schedule more non-conference games. Fine. Well, you got to <laughs> increase number of games. You got to go through NCAA's and budgets for that. So, I think that's why they did it. Um, I hear you on that. I would have, you know, I wasn't, I was okay with twenty, but you know, I knew that from what I in talking to both in the media sessions and things like that that uh, it was going to go back to eighteen. And I think part of it is because they want to be able to creatively schedule more tougher games non-conference to help the RPI. I think, you know, that's the thing because the issue is you still have those bottom teams in the league that hurt you from a net rankings standpoint. Yeah. And I think that's why they want to avoid those two extra games because you're that's two games of likely that you're going to hurt your net rankings. They would rather play much tougher teams that improve your net rankings, I think is the theory behind it. Well, here, here's the problem with that is when you go down to 18 from 20, someone is going to play two of those bad teams that you're talking about only once. And everyone else is going to play them twice. So somebody is going to come out with an advantage. And then it works the other, the inverse of that is true too. Somebody's going to play UCF and USF only once and play, I don't know who's at the bottom, twice. That hurts them, right? And it's okay to say, well, if it works out for you that particular year, but it's still a roll of the dice whether or not your schedule works out, whether you play stronger teams or the least strong teams in the conference. That's why I favor the balanced schedule because it's the same all the way across. You know what you're going to get. I hear you, but I'm just telling you that's what the coaches. And this is not just an American thing. I think the ACC's had the same issues there, right? Like, it feels like Syracuse every year. It feels like plays Duke a hundred times, but yet doesn't play certain teams. It's very weird, and it does create confusion when it comes to the committee because you can't just go based on hey, this team finished first or finished second in the conference because their schedule might be slightly yeah. different than the. You're other. not comparing apples to apples, right? Right. No, I hear you. I hear you on that. Um, you know, I, I was with you on 20, but I knew it was going to be a drop to 18. Bummer. You know, if only they listened to us, Eric. Boy, I tell you, you, if that happened, boy, I tell you, a lot of things would be a lot better. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so that brings us to, uh, so we're glad to see, we're glad to see uh, 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 Jnea and um, and Moss and uh, Tay come back. So they should be. They should be real good and hungry for next year. I think that's the other thing, too, after how close they got exactly. this year. A lot of really experience hungry. back, too. Mm. Yep, yep. Boy, it's going to be fun. All right, baseball. Uh, we are heading into, Eric, the final season, a series of the regular season. Uh, this th- Starting with a doubleheader this Thursday against Houston, 
Uh, UCF's playing Houston twice on Thursday, starting at 2 p.m. The two teams that thought they would be a lot better off than they are right now. Yeah. Uh, Friday and then Saturday, uh, 6 and 4, respectively. The Knights are coming off losing 3 out of 4 at Tulane. Now, let's... Let's be real here. Tulane is good. They're 17 and 6 in the conference, 28 and 18 overall. So, and you're playing them on the road. So, I think pretty much everybody expected this to go the way it went. Well, without Colton but, Gordon and things like yeah, that. Yeah, without Colton Gordon. Yeah. Now, yeah. Coach Lovelady, if he were here, he would say that's no excuse. And I get that. But let's just go through the series real quick because the first game, uh, it was a tight one, 5 to 4. Uh, in in the first game of the doubleheader on uh, Friday, uh, and it was Tulane getting the win in extra innings in a game where UCF blew the lead. They were up uh, four to two heading into the ninth. Uh, Tulane scored uh, scored two on a home run by uh, Lee uh, to tie it up and to, and send it to extra innings, and then uh, and then they sacrificed fly uh, won it in the tenth. Uh, for Tulane, wasting what was a, a pretty good effort, I thought, by Hunter Pattison, uh, who was uh, outstanding, actually, in this game. He was five and two-thirds, gave up one run. It was unearned. Um, walked five, yeah, but struck out 10. Struck out 10 of the uh, 18 of the 23 batters he faced. And then uh, uh, and then Ben Vespi came in and had a rough go of it over four innings, um, which, was a real, uh, which was a real bummer. But, uh, you know... I think the good that you take away from that is Hunter Patterson, who has who stepped into that that first that game one role, replacing Colton Gordon, and since he's gotten that that belt back on him, he's been good. Well, that's a positive, and you need that to carry over to this series and beyond. I think this weekend with Houston, it's all about getting some momentum and building momentum to head to Clearwater for the American Conference Championship where they're going to have to win the tournament to make the NCAA tournament. It's that simple. And I think this is a weekend about trying to build some confidence and momentum and, to, you know, get you mentioned, get some another quality outing from Hunter, get some quality outings from other guys, get some guys here to kind of be ready to go because once you get to the conference tournament, it's all about winning the tournament at this point because yeah. you have no other options. That's your only shot left. That's what you're playing for now. You're not going to make it as an at-large. So your chance is to win the tournament. And you, the only way to do that, in my opinion, is to build some momentum. It's happened before. Think back, I think the last time we had an American Conference Championship with Cincinnati, right? Came out of there, yeah. uh, won the tournament, and stole a bit. I know they were kind of tops, you know, were like a second or a third seed or something, but we kind of took it for they granted. They had never won an yeah. AAC tournament game in their history. Right, yep. And won, and they scored, and they scored like a gazillion runs against UConn in the championship game. Yeah, they did, and they won the. Nobody tournament. had that one, right? So if you're UCF, build some momentum, and it's a new season when you get to Clearwater, and try to steal a bid and win that tournament. Yeah. Man, they're capable if they're play at the top of their game. They just haven't been consistent enough. You you know you wonder if just the you know the breakdown of all the injuries maybe it's caught up with them. But they got to build some momentum this weekend and hope to build that towards Clearwater. Yeah. Um. Game two, Tulane just rode the momentum nine to one uh, and got the victory. Zach Hunsaker took the loss as a starter. So game three of the series, um, Jackson Clare went out there and got a W. Jackson actually uh, getting better over the course of the year. A um, <clears throat> couple of uh, highlights for UCF on the uh, in terms of the power coming out. You know they were down three to three to nothing in this game, but then. Uh, ben McCabe uh, with a two-run homer. Josh Crouch had a two-run homer. Jordan Rathbone homered. 
and uh, and UCF got the six to four win. So you know, doggone it, you're thinking, man, we should have two out of three right now, and at least have gotten a split had they not blown the lead in um, in the first game, and then in the final game of the series. Um, now this one I thought was the one that really hurt because it because UCF had um, it was tied at one after one, and both teams scored a bunch of runs in the second. So it was uh, heading into the fourth inning. It was five to four Tulane. UCF scores one in the fourth, one in the fifth, one in the sixth to take a seven to five lead, and then Tulane scores three in the seventh, and then six in the eighth, and UCF ends up blowing another lead after the sixth inning. Um, in this real tale of two games, uh, you know, Rathbone hit another homer uh, in this game. Ben McCabe's been heating up of late too. He had an RBI single, but um, it was just a, another tough, tough go of it for Kenny Serwa, who threw four and two thirds, gave up five runs on seven hits, struck out six, and you know things were going pretty good. But then it all kind of just fell apart right after that, and Zach Bennett ended up taking the loss. But it's kind of a it's a roll of the dice with this bullpen right now, and uh, and it's, it's been like that all had, year. It's been yeah, like that you've all had year. the the hard part is from this season from this series is you end up leaving New Orleans thinking that you could go toe to toe with this team as one of the best in the American, the number two seed, because you had the you won one game and you had the lead on them late in two others, and couldn't you know land the deal so. Um, it's a bummer, but here's the standings, uh, for UCF right now in the American, uh, they are 14 and 14 tied with Cincinnati for fourth place. It's, uh, ECU at the top at 18 and six, Tulane at 17 and six, Wichita at 15 and 12 and Cincinnati at 14 and 14 with UCF. So the bracket right now heading into the, heading into the final weekend looks like this. Uh, it's one ECU. Four Cincinnati, five UCF, and uh, let's see, where is it? One, two, three, four, five, five UCF and eight Memphis. That's your that's one side of the bracket, and then on the other side, Tulane, Wichita State, two and three, South Florida, Houston, six and seven. So that would put UCF in with Cincy, ECU, and Memphis. What do you think about that right now? Because UCS plays four against Houston right now. Um, I don't think, I don't think they can knock. Well, actually, I think they probably can knock Houston down to eight. If they yeah, we're, we're getting look, look with this team, I don't know. It's it's all it's all messy here. It's, yeah, it's, it doesn't. Oof. Here's the deal: try to avoid being on the try to be on the opposite side of East Carolina's bracket would be my advice. Whatever that means. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if this team doesn't. If this team keeps playing like it has the whole season, they're going to be a quick out in, in Clearwater. If they just got to find a way to put a week, a good week of baseball together in Clearwater, and it would be nice to start that with some good momentum well, this weekend against Houston. Simple as that. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. They played Tulane and ECU both on the road this year. They split four with ECU, and they lost three out of four, like we said, to Tulane, but had the late lead in, in two of in two of the losses. Who would you rather go up against, based on their performance against those? Oh, teams? I rather go against Tulane. Um, See, I I disagree. I I would rather go up against ECU, and I'll tell you why. If you if you go up against them in the second game, all right, and you knock them off, 
that's a big confidence booster. That can get that can that can get you hot heading into the weekend. You get that extra break. You're you would obviously have to play if if everything holds up the way it is. You'd ha- you'd have to beat Cincinnati first. All right. Yeah. Well, let's. Yeah. That. Oh, by the way. I mean, uh, yeah. That- yeah. But you split with Cincinnati earlier in the season again on the road in one of those games. You dropped twenty runs on. All right. Yeah. So if you can listen, if you can get get through Cincy, you get the day off, you play most likely ECU. All right. If you don't, you're playing Memphis. Right. If somehow Memphis knocks off ECU, give me ECU, man. I, I would I would like to play. I want to be on the side of that number one team because if I am and I beat, I want to measure up against the number one, and if I beat them. That's a big boost to my confidence. It gives me extra time. You put them on their heels, and then you wonder what they're going to do on that side. Of, and then they got they they're wondering what they're going to do because if you beat ECU, you've now beaten them three out of five times. Well, but which UCF team is going to show up? Can you tell Greg Lovelady which team is going to show always, up that day? That's, that, that, always that, I, I, that's a, I mean, we that's can we can, question. I mean, we can go back and forth on this, but it really doesn't matter if we if if you know. Which UCF team shows up? Is it the one that beat Ole Miss two out of three? Is it the one that split with East Carolina? Or is it the one that got run ruled by Memphis and lost three out of four to Wichita State? I don't know. I don't think Greg knows. Yeah. But you Nobody know, knows. That's, the, that's the beauty of baseball. You roll the dice. You know? We'll see. Let's see what happens. Let's just – they got to play some good baseball this weekend. Just got to yeah. play – get some confidence. I, I think you would agree. Yeah. They got to play some good baseball this weekend to get some confidence – then I could you could buy you could sell me on the whole hey they, I'd rather play this and that I need to see some good baseball. You want you want to be trending up yes. getting into the conference tournament, yes. right? So if you right. win three mm-hmm. out of four against Houston, yes, at home, hey, I'll take it. Then right. you had to clear water the following week, and and we'll see what happens. Tuesday, May twenty fifth, uh, is when the American Athletic Conference Championship begins down at Baycare Ballpark in Clearwater. However. Wow, first that's next Houston. week. That is right here, yeah. baby. Wow. Houston, uh, doubleheader on Thursday, 2 p.m. first pitch for the first game. Second game immediately after that. That's Again, that's on Thursday. And then Friday, 6 p.m., Saturday, 4 p.m., the regular season finale for UCF Baseball at John Juliano Park. All those games will be on ESPN Plus, Eric Lopez. And that is what you call a podcast right there. Not bad. Good there you show. go, folks. There you go, boys. It's been fun. All right. Listen, folks out there, we're heading down the we're heading down the home stretch here. All right, so we're we got some things that we're gonna have to we're gonna need your help with. Number one, we're gonna want you to send in some questions because we're gonna want some questions in on our podcast during the off season. We can't, you know, we, we don't want to s- sign on and be like, hey, we got nothing to talk about. Okay, so I know Eric and I'll probably figure it out, but no, send us yeah. some questions to uh, UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter. We would love to hear from you guys what are the questions that you have for us on not just football and basketball, but all sports at UCF. Uh, history, too. We love to talk about that, too. Um, make sure that you follow us there, UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. Follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon. Follow Eric at Eric Lopez Elo. Subscribe to our newsletter. Comes out every weekday, 9 a.m. sharp, in your inbox, the latest News and information from UCF Sports by us, Black and Gold Banneret. Thanks to Jeremy Brenner for putting that together. Um, thanks to everybody who's just been doing some amazing work. Luke Sarah, Savage Luke, has been getting his up to his old tricks again on Twitter today, I saw. This is great. 
Send yeah. your well wishes to Danny Medina up in up in Nashville. She says that she's had it up there already. I don't blame her. Danny, come back to Orlando. We need you. <laughs> uh, and um, and once again, make sure you follow uh, Bryson Turner. It's Bryson Turner on Twitter for all the latest on UCF baseball. He's been covering UCF baseball and doing a daggum good job of it for you uh, on uh, on Black and Gold Banneret. So we're really thankful to uh, Bryson for his. Uh, for his hard work and stepping in for Murph, who's moved on to MLB. By the way, has Murph written anything for MLB? He's busy watching, like, you know, Dylan Moore and the Mariners getting no hit every week. So he's probably, you know, and Mike Trout just out well, six to eight weeks. Dylan, Dylan Moore is one of the few guys for the Seattle Mariners who's actually getting hits, apparently. Did you see that? Uh, not locks. I dropped him on my fantasy league. So. Oh, you, yeah, yeah, you would drop him on your fantasy <laughs> league. We're going to have like 11 no hitters this year in Major League Baseball. It's going to be nuts, man. Move the mound back. That's enough. Pitchers have too much of an advantage. Mike Trout's out six to eight weeks. He's probably bummed out about that, too. Yeah. Oh, he loves Mike Trout. He loves watching Mike Trout. That's got to sting. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be all right. He'll get over it. All right. (laughs) So that's going to do it. That's going to do it for all of us. Again, send us, uh, send us, and then also, Eric, you know, we got to, we got to get ready for the bannies, too. Yeah. Merv's got to send his picks. He may not join us for the bannies, but he's got to at least send some of his votes, right? Yeah. Right. I know we're gonna have we're we're gonna work out the nomination process. There we'll be, we go. We'll be putting it out to you, the fans, to talk about this. It's gonna be it's gonna be a weird year for the bandies with COVID and everything. But I'm looking forward be, to it. We didn't do it last uh, year. Yeah. We're doing it this year. There yeah, go. we didn't do it. was a victim of COVID last year. We're gonna get back on the horse this year. So it's gonna be uh, so it's gonna be a good time. All right, for Eric Lopez and all of us here at Black and Gold Banneret, I'm Jeff Sharon saying thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts or. If you're an Android user, you can subscribe to us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you already subscribe to us, please leave a rating and a comment. It certainly helps us. And share us, share our podcast with UCF fans that you know, friends and family, because we love to hear from you guys about what you want, want to hear covered. And we pride ourselves on giving you the best UCF cards. We are the longest running, continuous UCF Nights podcast on the internet. So... No off-season here. No, we have no off-season here at Black Gold Banner. For Eric Lopez, I'm Jeff Sharon saying thank you so much for listening. This has been the Black Gold Banner Podcast. We will catch you next week.